Greetings, heroes, and thank you for answering the Summoner's Call. Presented by the Gamers Inn, this is a podcast for all fans of Fire Emblem Heroes and the Fire Emblem franchise. I'm your host, Ryan Murphy, and joining me, as always, my co-host, Eddie. How's it going, Eddie? Not too bad. Had a heavy summoning week. Yes, I think we both did, and I think a lot of listeners did as well, and uh, I will not delay the results of our choose your legend five summoning but uh, i'll delay a little bit because i want to go through the banners that we got right now which are the weekly revival banner 33 heroes with lull skills until the 25th pirates pride special heroes revival also to the 25th festival in hoshido special heroes revival until the 26th phase summer hero fest until the 1st of september perilous seas until the 9th of september for sorry 4th of september and Keepers of Faith until the 5th of September. Now, speaking of Keepers of Faith, Eddie, how did you do in your summoning over the last week? Because we did not have a chance to summon on our last episode. Yep, uh, we discussed the heroes before they had dropped, so we hadn't summoned yet. But um, I managed to get an Asvel off of my free summon. So, pity break right away. Uh, followed on the same ring by a four-star boost, Lucina. Uh, kept at it, uh, of course. I uh, got a four-star boost Amelia on the ring for my third free summon ticket. And Gatekeeper off of my final free summon ticket. Uh, so got one focus hero pretty early on. Uh, next ring, I uh, got a four-star boosted Ike. And a few rings later, got a five-star Farina pity break. I uh, got nothing else until I reached my first spark and chose to grab Erica with the spark. I dipped back in. I had none of the... Focus characters by my second spark. Although at one point I did get a double pity break in one ring with Brave Camilla and Leith, essentially wiping my pity rate even with the limited reduction thing they do. Uh, also got a four star boost Jenny. Um, on that second spark, I grabbed Marth there. Uh, at that point, knowing I had a Marianne waiting for me, I decided to try and clear out my pity rate, uh, hoping to get a Marianne so I would have a boon or a bane. Um, I also started summoning, or kept summoning on red and added back in blue to see if I could get a Erica or a Marth with a Boon or a Bane. Uh, ended up getting Marianne, uh, but by the time I got to her, it was close enough to the spark for the third one that I went, went ahead and kept going, uh, and ended up getting a Brave Erica on the ring uh, of the spark triggering. So I didn't end up falling into the same little just one more type thing, you know, just clear out my pity rate type thing and going to that last spark. Uh, along the way there, I did also get a four-star boost of Harden. Wow. So. so a good haul for you. It sounds like you got you got everybody and they're all happy and, and all ready to... Got everybody and three of them plus one. Nice. Because even though some people might say I should save them or use them for fodder, I just... Merge them until I have a plus 10. Then I worry about fodder. Yeah. Yeah. We're not much of uh, fodder heroes players here, but although it is nice to know, like, obviously these heroes are very popular and very powerful. So, yep. yeah. The, the only time I really fodder, especially five-star heroes, is if I'm looking to build a character, a specific play. Like, um, you know, if I, I think I gave my uh, Winter Lissa... Uh, disencounter so off of someone yeah probably hector right probably hector it might have been by the time we got that second distant encounter hero in not sure 
Yeah. Although I guess the first two were both Hectors, so it might have been Hector or Hector. <laughs> I do, I think I remember you like on the hunt for a Hector because you wanted a distant counter for Lissa. I, I, yeah. I distinctly remember that. But uh, yeah, for me, um, it was a bit of a journey. You know, I had saved up a bunch of orbs. I had, I had dropped 100 orbs on, I think, one of the summer banners, knowing full well that I, I wanted to save... And in previous years, I've had pretty good luck with the CYL banners, getting all four heroes. Um, usually, even with before the spark system, usually just getting the three heroes stopping and then getting the free hero. Um, but I think my luck is, has kind of caught up with me because... Uh, I mean, I think one year on the Brave banner, I dove in deep and didn't get everyone's even then. So. Yeah, I remember it's that. It's not always a guarantee, but... It, well. No, it's it's definitely not a guarantee. But I think with the spark systems it's you're it's it is pretty much a guarantee as long as you save up enough orbs because really with the four sparks plus the free summon i mean you're getting you can even, get even all with four. just three spark it's a guarantee that you'll get all four of them exactly or at least i guess i should say it's a guarantee you'll get three of them with three sparks if you double up and spark on the same person you summoned for free yeah so yeah um, so, you know, knowing that, um, I felt pretty confident going in, uh, first few days I spent all 230 plus orbs I had, I think I had like maybe 230, 245 and, um, you know, got all the way through the first spark and nothing. So I sparked and got Marianne, uh, and then on my way to get the second spark, I ended up uh, having a bit more luck. I summoned gatekeeper and then further on, with only nine summons left before the second spark, I got an Erica. Um, and uh, yeah, so I mean, I still have a couple summons left to get to the second spark. So, um, but but for the show, I wanted to be like, yep, yeah, I got all four. So I just went to the free summon and picked up Marth to complete the set. So um, okay. that's my standard way of approaching the CYL banners is just, I don't min-max. I don't need like a special boon or bane for each hero. I just... I just like to have them in my collection, and this this does that, you yeah. know. For me, it's not like I needed a specific boon or bane. It's just I kind of wanted a boon to get a little boost to the character. Yeah. So that's why I held off on Marianne, you know. Yeah, and I can respect that. I, I, I definitely understand it. And I think for me, it was like, are these characters going to be a part of my top four? And I don't know. Um... We talked about them last week. I've had a little bit of time to basically summon them. Uh, they're not all the way up to level 40, so it's hard to say if they're going to enter my my top four. But yeah, like um, in terms of having Banes, it's really just Gatekeeper and Erica, which, you know, Gatekeeper is the number one hero on the male division, but Erica is the, is the runner-up. But again, as we discussed last week, they're all very powerful, and I don't know... Uh, I, yeah, but I totally understand that. Wanting to have it's nice to have that boon for sure. Uh, absolutely, for sure. For me, it was less what position they got in the banner or in the voting. It's more I have a more of a connection with Marianne than Erica. Although I did finally get a bit of a connection with Erica this you know when we did her for, did the game for game club. But you know I have more fondness and connection with Marianne from her story and her supports in Three Houses. So yeah, I can respect that for sure. Faux show. All right. Well, you know, it's funny. Um, everyone at home is probably going to notice this is going to be a pretty quick show. There's obviously not a lot going on in Faye, but uh, we're going to talk about 
uh, what's coming up in the next couple weeks because we are planning to take a week off next week due to just the lull in content. But we'll be back with plenty of fresh content, and Eddie is going to detail what's coming up in the next couple weeks. Yeah, uh, we do have a legendary hero coming up in a bit, but we don't know if we'll know who they are by next week, so we're just skipping a week. And so when we return on the 5th of September... Um, or, well, when we record on the 5th of September, you might not hear it till the 6th, considering our normal uh, release p- uh, pattern. Um, we have a bunch of stuff going on before then. Uh, this morning on the 23rd, or uh, in a couple hours, if we get this out quickly, uh, we had a set of green hostiles quests drop, and an- another round of double special heroes will be launching on the 24th. Worker Sieges will return on the 25th, with a new skills banner launching on the 26th for Ruse skills. Uh, on that same day, we'll also get a Tanya and Ossian B- Bound Hero Battle Revival. Uh, we have a Voting Gauntlet login bonus starting on the 27th. Uh, there's no banners specifically announced in the calendar for that. Uh, doesn't mean there won't be them. Sometimes they do. Uh, drop them and don't tell us. Uh, but the Voting Gauntlet that corresponds to that uh, login bonus is starting on the 1st of September. In between the two dates, before the first shows up, we have another round of Lost Lore launching. I forgot to put the date, but I'm pretty sure that was the 28th. Um, And then the next day, we have the Weekly Revival Banner 24 launching on the 29th, along with a set of Tome Arts quests. Uh, Just before the Voting Gauntlet launches, we have that Legendary Hero on the 31st, as well as battles for all the Legendary or Mythic Heroes on the banner that have battles. Nemesis returns on the 2nd with a Grand Hero Battle Revival, while we get a new skills banner for Moonbow skill, or for the skill Moonbow on the 3rd. Uh, we close out the next couple of weeks with uh, the Weekly Revival banner 34 on the 5th, along with a login bonus and banner for the Tempest Trial to do with the Special Heroes coming in early September. Uh, with that login bonus being before we record, well, we should have a preview of who's going to be on that banner, uh, you know, when we record next. Uh, should be a dancer banner, I think, is what they've shifted September to be. Yeah. Past couple of years, we had those dancing partners. Yeah, that's true. I do remember, um, was it last year that they had? And we got Renea and Berkut yeah. one year and... Uh, Ishtar and Reinhardt. I don't remember if they were the same year or separate years. Mm-hmm. Um, I do definitely remember the Renee and Burkut uh, yep. dancing uh, duo. I really like that. I think that was a nice, a nice touch. And um, I hope they continue down that path. I mean, it's kind of, it's interesting when you think about when you kind of lay it out like that. It really feels like a chance to give us more regal versions of or maybe not maybe regal is the wrong word but more like old-fashioned dance dress up that's also mm-hmm. the wrong way to do you kind of know where i'm getting at here it's like it's not them dressed up yeah. in the valentine's garb but they're dressed up like they're going to the ball i guess yep <laughs> so dress up for a party or a soiree or whatever you want to call it see you nailed it that's that's uh that's a much better way to describe it for sure and i i look forward to seeing who they who they give the party treatment to so we'll find out in a couple weeks and we'll talk about it right here on the show but we're not done with the fire emblem heroes content we got one more story for you here um this kind of goes to show how weirdly sometimes the recording overlaps with when stuff's added to the game because we got peleus ashnard's 
Orphan added to the game as the Grand Hero Battle as part of the CYL5 banner. And uh, the Grand Hero Battle unit that was included alongside the CYL5 heroes is now in the game. I should really read what I wrote before I say things. But anyways, Peleus is a sage from the kingdom of Dian. Dian? Dian? Dian sounds wrong. Dane? I always... In my mind, I always pronounce it Dane, but that could be wrong because I've never played. Or it's been so... I, I haven't played Radiant Dawn, which he comes from. Um, and it's been so long since I played Path of Radiance, I don't remember how they pronounced it. Yeah. If they pronounced it out loud, that might have been one where they didn't actually pronounce anything. So it's mm. always been in your head. Yeah. Dane sounds a lot better. So I'm going to say Dane. Uh, although that might be the last time we say it. Uh, he he has a calm, dignified disposition, and he's got a surprising background, too. He's the long-lost son of the last ruler of Dane. Okay, so I say it one more time. Again, should really remember what I wrote. King Ashnard. So that that's the rest of the sentence. Peleus is a red tome infantry unit wielding Rarlion Plus. How'd I do, Eddie? Um... Seeing as I've jumped into Valhalla lately, they pronounce a lot of D's with a TH sound, so it might be Rotherlion. That's a D? Close enough for going. It's a weird it's like uh, a... symbol thing that looks similar to a D. Oh, I see. I see what you're saying. Yeah. So Rotherlion uh, plus, at start of turn, grants attack plus six to adjacent allies for one turn. Start of combat, if foe's HP is greater than or equal to 75%. Grants attack slash resistance plus five to unit during combat. Being the GHB unit, he has a new he has no new skills, but his kit includes Miracle as a special, Brazen attack slash speed three in the A slot, and attack slash resistance oath three in the C slot. Um, and Eddie, as you were saying, you're not familiar with Radiant Dawn. I also am not familiar, and and this guy rings zero bells for me. He does look like generic mage unit we add at the start of the game or early in the game. <laughs> so <laughs> I don't know. There's not, but he's a grand hero battle unit. Like, is that not normally reserved for bad guys? Is this a bad guy? Not always. I mean, sometimes a good chunk of them tend to be bad guys. Um, like I said, I haven't really played uh, Radiant Dawn, and it's been so long since I played um, Path of Radiance, and I don't even think I finished that. You know, I don't know if he was a bad guy. Um, What little bit I glanced at, and I don't think I ever even glanced very far, um, indicated he's a playable character. Uh, Yeah, he's a playable character from uh, who wants to free his country, kind of like uh, Micaiah. Uh, he, acts as, he acts as a figurehead for the army, but he in, has Micaiah leading it. So, yeah, no, that's good. I... I... Again, like I'm all for learning about new heroes. This is an odd pull for a, a long. It's all. It sucks. It sucks that they've put him in here because like he's just he's up against such a, a stacked team with the CYL heroes that he was always going to appear like, oh, who's this guy? <laughs> you know, um, I almost would have rather seen them. You remember that one year they did the far fetched banner and they kind of like legit said like okay this character ranked eighth so we picked the eighth character that ranked this year i would have liked to see them maybe tie this character into the cyl not necessarily give us a fifth cyl character but like go down the list and be like 
This guy scored 25th on the ranking. And maybe this guy did. I don't know. I don't know where he fell. Um, but yeah, it just seems random and, and kind of unfortunate for the character to to kind of quietly launch alongside. And we're even doing him no service by having him on a separate show. <laughs> you know, um, so we're part of the problem. But still, it just feels like kind of, yeah, here you go. I mean... I don't remember where exactly he might have been the next one. He might, I mean, that would be a good place to do Farfetch. Uh, but then again, you have Constance, who was up at number 17 on the girl women's side. So unless Peleus was higher than that on the guy side, he doesn't even fall under that category. So, but yeah, the Farfetch was the top heroes who are not in the game, uh, but not the top four. And, you know, that's just how they opted to do it in the first year, but they, I can't remember if they did it second year, but they've really just abandoned it since then. And it was something I kind of liked, but me too. Me too. Um, but yeah, that is, uh, that is going to conclude our Fae content for tonight. However, we do have game club to discuss and we are so close to the end. We are about to talk about, uh, chapter 21 of, Fire Emblem Three Houses Verdant Wind Route, and Eddie has the honor of wrapping up our penultimate chapter. What do you got for me? Uh, we have Chapter 21, The City Without Light, which is an odd name for it, seeing as how the map was. Um, we follow the map that Hubert left us to find a hidden city uh, of those who slither in the dark, underground, where Rhea warns that Byleth may end up being the primary target of them because you can use the Sword of the Creator. Uh, we start the battle on the map and all of its Technotron glory, Techno-slash-tron glory, encountering various enemies, including unique constructs. Uh, this was kind of an interesting map because they start us in the four corners of the map, uh, sometimes with enemies in between us, so I don't know how we got in there like that, but it is what it is. Uh, upon fighting through Shambhala, we find Thales in a throne room-like area in the center. Where in his dying breath, he launches a whole bunch of javelins of light at Shambhala to destroy it with us in it. Rhea transforms into the Immaculate One, uh, tries to stop most, if not all, of them, um, and does so very inefficiently, trying to fly right into the explosions as she stops them. Uh, and uh, keeps most keeps us mostly safe. The city still crumbles around us, but. Uh, you know, we're we're just fine. We don't get hit by any of the debris, and she does injure herself. Uh, we then cut back to uh, an unknown location where a creature that looks like Nemesis breaks them out of, like, a chain sarcophagus coffin, growling for Saros. Uh, meanwhile, uh, or back at the monastery, after all this is done, uh, Ray is rushed off to have her injuries looked at. While Claude explains to uh, Byleth that five years ago, he never saw where the Immaculate One came from, and now realizes that it was Rhea. Uh, He also speculates that creatures like the Immaculate One, who are considered and supposed to be servants of the goddess, might actually be the children of the goddess that the um, Agarthians or Agarthans hated so much. So So that's uh, a really good breakdown, and and honestly... um... I had I made some notes as I was playing through this, and the, this is going to be a bit of a theme, and I think I said this the last couple of episodes, we discussed Game Club, and it's like, I now understand why everybody says you gotta play 
the Verdant Wind route. And I know it's a matter of opinion, you know, because it's based on the characters as well as the story that's being told. However, from a lore standpoint, I feel like the Claude route so far, and I'm guessing will conclude with the most complete Fire Emblem story within Three Houses. Yeah, like I said last week or the week before, and I might not have done it on the episode, I think I heard rumors that there were plans for at least on the um, uh, Dimitri route to deal with Shambhala and those who slither in the dark, and they had kind of a breadcrumb that could have led us to it, but, you know, they opted not to for some reason. Yeah, I just... I really feel like this route is the most complete story and I'm guessing will be the most complete story because, you know, with, and, and again, like it's, it's all, it's all the one game, right? So of course there is a complete story there and I feel like you still can play all the other routes. And and if you were to play Verdant Wind, it's important to go play those other routes to experience how the story could have gone depending on who you sided with. And I think Edelgard's route tells a very different story and i would say even the polar opposite to this story and i'm guessing the blue lion story so i'm not discounting those stories and it's very cool that intelligent systems gave us the ability to explore so many different paths um it's just this feels like they it should have been put forward as like this is the this is the story and and if they had to pick a canon route this is the most complete one because I'm guessing, and I'm, 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 we we already talked about it. We, I feel like we have not dealt with those who slither in the dark, but more so address them than in the other chapters where it's literally just a byline of like, and those that slither in the dark continued to slither in the dark. You know, it's been a while, but I think like um, Edelgard's end card says she hunts them down, uh, and like I said. And maybe Dimitri hunts them down. I don't know. But, um, you know, like I said, with Dimitri's, there's like one of them. And after you like either defeat a certain one or get close to a certain character, a bunch of mages leave the map. And those are part of those who slither there in the dark. Um, also, I think along the way, you end up killing Thales in, uh, in Azure Moon, the Blue Lion's route. So they say you've killed the leadership. So, you know, maybe that's where they view it there and why they didn't continue on i don't know yeah it definitely feels like this tells i mean each each route seems to have like details of the story that without playing all routes you're not getting the entire story uh and yeah i definitely agree vernon wind seems to have the most details like blue lions if i recall like their thing is you find out a bit more about dusker and all because you have to do in uh dimitri who was scarred by dusker yeah so yeah and and i agree with your sort of you know description of you get story everywhere but like the biggest piece of the pie is definitely divvied up towards towards claude's route and i and i know to his character that makes perfect sense because he's he's the he's the trickster he's the one looking for all the information to use as much as possible he also doesn't like you know, uh, seek to take over the world. He does not seek, you know, vengeance. He just seeks to, he seeks peace, basically. You know, he, that's his end game. And um, you could argue that all three of them seek peace. They just have very different ways of going about it. Yeah. Peace through a lack of bloodshed. Like he, as he's, he's the trickster, his, his peace is um, 
the most his path towards peace is the most peaceful <laughs> you know or, or his plans are the most peaceful and now if you can but, all tell but he's willing to back it up when oh the other sides aren't gonna be peaceful oh yes and we've experienced that here with with his uh his tactics and stuff um i'll say this about the map that we were on it's kind of crazy that again if you hadn't played verdant wind you've not experienced this type of map because it's completely unique yeah you know techno music in the background the lights streaming across the ground like something out of tron Mm -hmm. very tron like and the automatons that you fight are again completely unique had not seen them before and they look so cool then they have their special lightning pillars that attack you yeah those (laughs) those are less cool and more annoying um i think they killed one of my characters once and i had to rewind it my bad for leaving the character quite low in health but um yeah annoying nonetheless uh it's it's interesting that um there was i have a note here and maybe you can correct me because i don't remember why i mentioned it but i think right at the start of the chapter they're having a discussion they're discussing some sacred vessel that repels evil and I wondered if yeah. she was referring this might have been when they were talking to Rhea at the beginning of the chapter. Is she referring to the body of Bylas mom that we discovered in the DLC? Because again, Bylas mother was um, I think it's more the body of the goddess who's entombed there, or maybe the goddess did something or provided some kind of vessel mm. while she was before she passed. Um I don't know the exact details, but yeah, there's something that repels uh Essentially, I forgot to put this at the beginning because it had been so long since I had watched it and I forgot to write it down right away. Um, when you open this chapter, they discuss why Garrig Mach is safe from those javelins of light that we saw at the uh, uh, fort. Um, and because for whatever reason, this sacred vessel or whatever, um, you know, when they tried to hit Garrig Mach with a uh, javelin of light it veered off and created what is alo or ilo so the you know flaming thing scar is from the attack on the monastery that the agarthians or agarthians did yeah i think there was talk of a battle they tried to target the holy tomb and it just or not the holy tomb sorry garrick mock i think um because the holy tomb Which is might not have been garrick mock at that point and was just the holy tomb but right still yeah, like, you know, it's really interesting because um, all throughout the game, all routes, you're getting just a bunch of different misinformation from, and and true information, but a lot of misinformation that's being delivered to you by, you know, Rhea. We talked a lot about how for the longest time Nemesis was kind of labeled as um, a hero gone bad, and now we find out he was a thief, you know, um, and there is more information given to us, um, you know, later on but as of the beginning of this chapter it's still like they're still not giving us all the information and i think right at the end of the chapter um you you before Rhea goes goes to goes to rest she says like or no right before this chat right before the battle she says look after this battle i'll tell you everything <laughs> you know it's like okay great so we'll just fight and hopefully we we win and then you'll answer all of our questions sounds great and I'm thinking, like, she's going to die. Works so well with Gerald. Yeah, 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 exactly. I was really worried that Rhea was going to die. And then at the end, 
you get the cutscene of her seemingly sacrificing herself against the javelins of light. Um, Which made no sense how she quote-unquote sacrificed herself. Well, she... She blew them up mid-air and flew, continued flying towards the explosions instead of, you know, away from the explosions that would not have reached the city because they were high up enough. Yeah, there was some oddness, though, with the... Um, at the tail end of that that cinematic where she's being hit by those explosives and it appears that she's being corrupted a little bit. I don't know if you noticed that, where there's like some green goop kind of forming on her. I don't know if that's corruption or just something to do with her blood and it boiling green in the heat, you know, turning to green smoke as it as she's injured. Yeah. And the intense heat, you know, flash uh you know, flash boiling it to gas. It may be. Yeah, it just seemed like, oh, no, are they setting her up to be corrupted? And then because I know I knew at this point we had a, another chapter and and as if not for if there weren't enough things that are barely explained, we cut to I, I'm guessing it's somewhere completely different where for some reason, randomly right now, Nemesis decides to wake up from his tomb slumber Whatever zombies. the hell that was, <laughs> he woke the he woke zombies and and here's the thing like I at the end of that I was like oh. I, I question the zombie status because he just looks similar to the way Thales and all of them kind of true looked. that's true. extra pale and you know I don't know if they had red eyes but yeah if he asked for brains at the start of chapter twenty two then you owe me a coke how's that sound I never said he wasn't a zombie I'm just saying I don't know for sure if he is a zombie because. Who knows? But theoretically, he was killed, so he might be a zombie. Who knows? Yeah. Well, here's the thing: like at the end of that, at the end of this chapter, Thales appears to be casting a spell. So I assumed he was just biding time to cast this spell, and and either you know, zombie um, nemesis was part of the plan, or was because they talk a lot about we need to awaken them, we need the magic, we need this, we need that. So it feels like he was stalling. He probably didn't plan for his whole entire army to be wiped out and Shambhala to to fall into into ruins. But you clearly feel like that's part of the plan. Yeah, this might have been part of the contingency plan. Uh, this might have been what he was talking about at the beginning about moving up their plans. And he sent someone to activate whatever would trigger to awaken Nemesis. Uh, the ending, and maybe Nemesis was part of it, the ending felt more like kind of a last minute security device all is lost so we'll destroy the city with our enemies in it yeah oh yeah that that for sure i I didn't feel at first i was like oh maybe destroying shambhala was part of the ritual to you know reawaken nemesis but i feel like it was just as you said sort of a well we've lost this battle and the the spell to summon or to reawaken nemesis is complete so let's see if we can take out a few people with us because he he was dead anyways um so that that makes sense for sure um i'll also i'll also say this just to wrap wrap up here um you know Rhea does live at the end of this she's seriously injured they mentioned her going back to her room uh to rest and then i just have in big caps here truth coming up question mark um and I'll say with chapter 22, I played through till the save and I'll say, all I'll say is you're going to enjoy the start of chapter 22. That's all. I'll say. Okay. We're going to talk about it next episode, but I'm just saying, 
uh, they do not leave you hanging. And that's, again, that's all, yeah, I've already gone too far, but uh, I love it. They don't leave me hanging, but, you know, I haven't played through it personally, but I've watched a playthrough a long while ago, so I don't remember all the details. But I remember they don't leave you hanging, but they don't necessarily explain everything very well. No, they don't. But but no, they don't for sure. Um, but uh, yeah, it, it's it's a good uh, it's it's a good start. And obviously, I haven't finished the game because we're going to talk about it next episode. But uh, definitely, yeah, look there are definite definite certain info dumps that I know are coming because we haven't reached them yet. But I know they're in this route that it's like. This is a lot to dump at last second like this. Yeah. And even then, it doesn't make a ton of sense. Exactly. With some of it. Yeah. Well, we'll dig through it next episode. We'll have plenty of time to discuss it as we will have a quieter, maybe not as quiet as this week, but a quieter, uh, you know, hall of fey content to describe. But before we do go, we wanted to put out a call to our listeners. Um, As you're aware, Game Club with Three Houses is wrapping up. It's been a long journey. It was also Sponsor Life uh, supported, or Sponsor Life, Extra Life supported. And, um, you know, we, we're we not necessarily saying that Game Club from here on out is going to be Extra Life, but it has been a long journey. So we wanted to know uh, what folks, what listeners think about Game Club for the remainder of 2021, because the intention is to still bring back the Extra Life donation um, incentive to vote for our first Game Club of 2022. But uh, we wanted to have some extra content to talk about because there are uh, peaks and valleys to the content of Faye. So we want to keep the show consistent. And the best way to do that is to have an active game club. But we've been playing a lot of Fire Emblem and um, we're looking to switch things up for the last quarter of 2021. There's essentially two options to begin with. Uh, Do we go ahead and start what we were originally planning to do as our next game club, which was... Uh, the Elliewood route of Blazing Blade, and that would mean the extra life vote might be, you know, mid to late uh, 2022 before we start that. Or do we play something different? Uh, you know, maybe not a week to week type thing, but uh, play different game uh, for the rest of 2021 until we get through extra life and get a vote on what we play for next. Uh, and we have a couple suggestions that Ryan will elaborate through. Yeah. So I kind of thought out loud we could do a, I want to, I want to, you know, say this, a special revisit to Fire Emblem Warriors. Uh, we wouldn't do week to week, but maybe do uh, play like chunks of it and discuss our time with it both now and before. Yes. Go through the go through the redheaded stepchild of the Fire Emblem franchise. Yeah, yeah, and and that there's a lot of interesting stuff there, both from a development standpoint and um, and a gameplay standpoint, and and the story and all that. But I want to stress, it's not something I I know I want to commit to playing week to week, doing a chapter by chapter breakdown because I just I don't I don't have that kind of time. But to revisit it, um, go back to it, discuss it, do like maybe three or four special segments on it um in the fall and winter heading into 2022 that to me sounds really interesting um another option is to play some fire emblem inspired games uh i talked about dark deity on uh, the gamers in which is heavily inspired by fire emblem and 
again, not week to week, but do like some special episodes discussing it. Um, I could see with Dark Deity doing it in a more like a little more structured approach, but still, you know, doing special episodes and yeah, like more special discussions. So that's kind of where we're at. And I mean, we want to know how you feel as listeners. You can either hit us up on Discord, email us, um, you know, tweet Eddie or I. It's totally up to you how you write in your feedback, but uh, we'd love to hear from you. And certainly we'll keep having the discussions behind the scenes as well, and, and we'll keep everybody in the loop. But those are our current thoughts. And, and I know some folks at home might be thinking like, wow, what about Tokyo Mirage Sessions? That's also kind of like a weird offshoot. And and we've talked about that one too. And, and, and by all means, if you have an interest in hearing us talk about that game, let us know. Because again, like we'll, we'll take all the feedback we can get. We'll put it in a big pool and... <laughs> I don't know. I don't know where I was going with that. I was yeah. trying to think of the, the slight issue with Tokyo Mirage Sessions is that while I purchased it when it first came out, Ryan did not. And that's a you know eighty dollar game or ninety dollar game up in Canada still. You know, yeah. it's Nintendo. They don't discount that. And look, I can be swayed. Yeah, not saying it's off the table completely, but it's, you know, a bit more of a discussion before we jump right into that. That's the delay there. Yeah. Uh Something like Dark Deity, where it's twenty thirty dollars on Steam, I'm willing to you know do that uh, type thing. Yeah, but yeah. So that's kind of where we're at. And again, we'll keep everybody posted. We'll uh, we'll update everybody on, on what we're hearing behind the scenes. Certainly, here are some great links that you can use to have those discussions. First of all, you can go to gamersinpodcast.com/slash/fay. Find all of our past episodes. Do a quick search, see what thoughts we've had on Game Club in the past. You can email the show, Faye at gamersinpodcast.com. That's the best place to reach Eddie and I if you want to start a discussion um, about Game Club. Also, you can check out the Fire Emblem channel in the Gamers In Discord by going to bit.ly slash TGI Discord. You can also follow us on Twitter. You can find me at R. Murphy, Eddie at Drowfear, and don't forget to follow at the Gamers In for show updates. Maybe I'll put a plug out there too for uh, what we're thinking of Game Club and people can. Uh, can respond there. Also, be sure to check out serenesforce.net, our go-to resource for Fire Emblem news and information. It's going to do it for this episode of Summoner's Call. Have a great week, and happy summoning.